Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. Many of you know someone who's very dear to my heart. She's my mentor. I just love this lady. I love having you here. And she's going to bring the word this morning and she's going to share with us the incredible Christmas story of Mary. Would you welcome Dr. Joanne Lyon? Oh my. Thank you. Thank you. Great to be with you this morning. I love Celebrate Church because you know what? You live what you say you are. Celebrate. You know, how many years now? 20 plus years. Celebrate. You've celebrated life no matter what's happened because you know God is is ruling and reigning. Uh, It's great to be with you. And I want to say, Keith, I came out here and took a video of you playing the guitar. This is pretty amazing. I don't know that you know how multi-talented pastor you have. Does many, many things, but, but also humble to sit there and play the guitar, you know. So I, I'm going to put that up on Facebook. So I got some of that. I thought it was great. And Joe, my word, I can't believe it, how fantastic he is. And what a story. You'll hear a little bit later of how God has redeemed him. And he said to me backstage, you know, I love that text that says, uh, he restores all the years the locusts have eaten. And that's what God does in our lives. He does. So it's great to be with you today. And I want to today talk, the title of my sermon is Unexpected Turns. And I don't know of anyone that, such as Mary, who had unexpected turns in her life. And we've all had unexpected turns. Some of them are very tragic. Some of them are very painful. Some of them are kind of humorous. But our life is about unexpected turns. And the real key is, how do we deal with unexpected turns? And Mary this morning gives us the roadmap of how to handle unexpected turns. Now, I think many times we as Protestants don't talk much about Mary. Uh, we, we leave that to, the, to our brothers and sisters in the Catholic Church. But I want to tell you, she belongs to us too. Okay? <laughs> and also, Mary was a strong prophet. We see this in the very last in the Magnificat of her praise. She was a prophet. And when we follow Mary on through her life, we see this strength that she had. Not how some of the artists have, prote- have portrayed her over the, during the Renaissance and some of those early years. She was a strong person with trust in God. But I'll just share with you this morning a kind of funny little unexpected turn in my life. A few years ago, I was invited to speak for a spiritual formation day or spiritual retreat day for the nursing students at Indiana Wesleyan University. Now, I don't know why they wanted to start at 7 o'clock in the morning. I guess because nurses start at 7 o'clock in the morning, I guess. That's, that's what they were trying to train all these nurses to be. So I lived someplace else, and I was, thought, well, okay, I'm not going to just fly in there and hang out. I'll just get in there that night get a hotel by the, by the airport in Indianapolis, and it's about an hour and 10 minutes up to Marion where Indiana Wesleyan University is. And I'll just drive up there early the next morning, and I'll just get there. Okay, my plan. I got to the first hotel right by the airport, and I noticed there were a lot of place cars around the, 
the, the hotel, but I didn't pay any attention. I just walked on in. And she didn't wait on me at first, and I waited. And finally, she says, oh, honey, you're going to have to go someplace else. We've just been robbed. <laughs> okay. So then you know how hotels are around airports. So I went to the one behind it. It was Econo Lodge, I think, or something like that. And I went in, and I thought, when I walked in, in the lobby were people in their night clothes. I thought, this is strange. Is this a slumber party of old people that I didn't know anything about? <laughs> that somehow I missed the slumber party? And finally, when I went up to the desk and waited, she said, Honey, you have to go someplace else. We've just had a fire. Okay, all right. Unexpected turns here. Not how my plan was. My plan was all right in line. So I decided, okay, I'll drive clear north of the city, near Marion, Indiana, and I'll just get a hotel there, and then I'll drive up early the next morning. By the time I started counting the hours, by this time it was like 1.30 or 2 in the morning, and I was going to need to leave at 5 or 6 to get up there. So I walked in, and I said to the guy, and he gave me the amount, and I said, ooh, do I have to pay that much? Can't I just pay by the hour? <laughs> and he looked at me. Lady, we don't do that kind of business here. I said, <laughs> I said not a word. I paid the amount. And do you know where he placed me? Like the room next to right, right around the corner from the desk. He was going to watch every move I made that night if I was going to do any business. Well, I didn't, of course, and went on. But that night is a humorous one of unexpected turns. And we can have our plans, but unexpected turns come. But when we look at the life of Mary, Mary's life was very much an unexpected turn. Mary was a young woman, as we know, from a very devout Jewish family and lived in an area that was very... Uh, oppressed by the Romans. The Roman Empire was very strong. In fact, almost they needed to practice their religion in secret, very quiet. They could not practice their religion openly. And she was from that family. And we find it interesting that the scripture tells us that she was pledged to Joseph. Now, the word pledged in our culture would be mean engaged. But pledged in that culture was far stronger. You know, in our culture, you get engaged, but you break the engagement, and you can do all that kind of thing. In that culture, pledged, even at sometimes, they would even live together but never consummate the marriage. That meant this was serious business. Now, the interesting thing in this, which was very unusual in that particular culture because men had most of the power and women had no power, but in this particular instance, a female could cancel the pledge, but not the male. So when you look at this, it makes you see Joseph in another light. Joseph had no choice. Joseph had to suffer the humiliation that people would have said, that here is the woman to whom he's pledged, and she's pregnant. I think about this a lot with Joseph. This makes me even have greater admiration and strength in Joseph's faith and in the faith he had in Mary and what she heard from God. This is what we talk about, listening to God and following that no matter what the culture says. So that's exactly where we find Joseph. So here is Mary living her regular life whatever it was, as a young, young girl, as a young, young teenager. And uh, we find that the very first thing that we find in the scripture is 
that she's living her life regularly, and we're taking all this from Luke 1, and it says, verse 24, in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged, here we see it, to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Now, I don't know about you, but if in the middle of the night an angel came to you and said, greetings, the Lord is with you, you are highly favored, what would be your first response? Fear. Mary's first response was fear. We see in that very next word, and I think when unexpected turns come, our very first response is fear. How am I going to handle this? What's going to happen? We start projecting on down the road. What's going to happen? What am I supposed to do? What's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? And we find this all the way through Scripture. When God speaks, when God spoke to Moses, the first thing was fear. When God spoke to Joshua and said, you're going to lead these people through, it was fear. But there's an interesting thing that comes back. So if we look at very, 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 we look at 29, verse 29, it talks about Mary's fear. It says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. And that isn't interesting because what is the very first, next thing the angel says is, do not be afraid. Now, can you believe that? I don't know. I'd have a hard time believing that. But this is what the angel says. And we find this with Moses, don't be afraid. We find this with Joshua, be of courage. We find this all the way through when an angel comes and speaks. When God begins to speak to us and says, I want you to do something you've never thought about doing before. I want to open a door for you that, that, that you, 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 you're afraid of. He says, don't be afraid. I'm going to be with you. But that's hard. That's our human part. Our human part is to protect ourselves. Our human part is to keep us from from moving on out into things that we've never experienced before. Fear, fear, fear. But it's interesting how Mary responds to the fear. Just look at how she responds. Then she says in these next words, how will this be? She asks the question. There's nothing wrong when God comes to you and says, I want you to do something. There's nothing wrong with saying, well, how is this going to happen? Because already you have expressed faith. But if we go back a few verses in chapter 1 of, of Luke, we find that the same angel comes to Zechariah to give the verse, the, the prophecy of John the Baptist being born. And if you look at verse 18... He he says the same thing to Zechariah up earlier in verse 12. Uh, This is going to happen to Elizabeth, your your wife. She's going to be pregnant. He says, and then the angel says to him, don't be afraid. But I want to tell you, Zechariah responds differently. Zechariah asked the angel, well, and it's in the tone and it's in the spirit. He doesn't with open arms like Mary, how will this be? Tell me, teach me. This is what he says. Well, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. You see, it's the spirit, it's the belief in this answer. And do you know what happened to Zechariah? God shut him up until the baby was born. He couldn't speak. He couldn't speak. God shut him up. That's what God, how God handles our, our not believing him and not trusting him. And I think what happens to us as we get older, we can say, well, I've been around the block a few times. 
I, I don't believe God's really going to do it. I've watched God. I haven't seen him do things that he said he was going to do. And God will, you will be continue to be shut up. You will be continued to be kept from what God really wants to do with that kind of attitude. And I believe I want to say to you today, I don't care your age. God still wants to do great things through you. Many times we say, oh, I'm too old. I've been, I'm old. I'm old. I'm old, oldest, probably the oldest person in this room today. Literally. And I am, and I hear people far younger than I am say, well, I think, I think I've done, you know, God's kind of finished. And I'm happy with my life. Just kind of finished. And that's, I'll just play pickleball the rest of my life. And that's okay. I like pickleball. But, you know, there are more things that God still wants to do through you. Don't quit. And if there's anything I want to say to people... Uh, and, and we have, you know, retirement number. We, have, we live by numbers in our, in our, in our uh, culture. Such and such an age, you know, AARP starts sending you stuff when you're 45 years old. I mean, that's kind of scary, actually. But, um, that, but that's already determined. It gets determined. Now, I'm not saying we're going to do everything, but we're going to do... God is still doing, wants to do things through us. He is not limited... He is not limited by our age. He's not limited by our ethnicity. He's not limited by our language. He's not limited by our education. He's not limited by anything. Only our belief. Only our trust in God. And he shows himself. And so here we see this. We see poor old Zachariah. Well, sorry, Zachariah. Because you wouldn't believe, I'm going to shut you up. And we find that Zachariah did not speak until John the Baptist was born. And, he, and God told him what to name him, and he named him, and he, those are the first words that came out of his mouth when you find it later in Scripture. So this Mary questions the impossible when she says, how will this be? And then the angel answers and tells her, how will this be? Then the angel says, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren in her sixth month. You see, um, the angel didn't tell Gabriel, uh, didn't tell uh, Zachariah anymore because he didn't want to know. But Mary said, how will this be? Now I just want to say, many times things come in our life, we don't know what to do with it. But when we say, Lord, teach me about it. Tell me, you, he will be faithful, and he will teach you what it is and where, what the next steps are. And then we find this incredible promise in verse 137. Verse 37 says, For nothing is impossible with God. Say that with me. For nothing is impossible with God. And we find Jesus saying these very words later in his sermons. Remember, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. I'm here to tell you I've lived a lot of this. Nothing is impossible with God. In some of the most difficult places in the world where I've been and the most impossible situations. And I just want to thank you for the way you are, are working in the country of Liberia that's come back and, and peace has happened from a terrible war and you're helping to bring restoration and new life to thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And I want to thank you. And I could give you many stories of what God's doing because you've said, we're going to say nothing is impossible with God. 
But I well remember in Liberia early on, the war was horrible. And we, had, we were working with food and that kind of thing. But you know, it was interesting. One of the things that the pastors had said, we would, can you send us some psychologists or mental help, mental, mental health therapists? We need help to know how to handle the trauma. Isn't that interesting? We don't always think about that. They already knew that. Well, I kept, I went out, I knew some, some people and they said, no, I'm not going there. I'm not going there in the middle of all that. No, I'm not going to go there. I thought, this is ridiculous. Nothing isn't, Lord, you said nothing is impossible. I'll never, never forget. I went to bed one, that one night and I just in bed, raised my hands to the sky and I said, Lord, you care more about the suffering people in Liberia than I do. Help me find somebody. That next morning, the phone rang and it was one of the best Christian psychologists that I know and said, is there, I just couldn't sleep last night. Is there some place you would want me to go? I mean, that's how God works. Nothing is impossible with God. And so I said, well, there's a terrible war going on in Liberia. Would you mind to go there? I'll go wherever you say. I mean, I couldn't believe that either. This is how God does things. Impossible. Speaking of war, just, um, a few months ago in Ukraine, we see this in the, in the news all the time, and some of our world told people were working in the edge of Ukraine, then went on into Ukraine and found out that the soldiers and the frontline workers had little tiny first aid kits that were like Band-Aids. And this got on the heart of the leader there, and he said, we've got to find, so we've got to find war med kits that can help with splints and burns and all of that kind of thing. God opened the door, and through World Hope, we were able to buy 3,000 of those sent them there, and this was what I loved the most. And so we had some folks from the State Department to go in and train 400 frontline workers there who were with these, to use these kits. The State Department folks were believers. The 400 Ukrainians were believers. And they said, would it be possible to write the Lord's Prayer in Ukrainian and we can sew it into every one of these kits so that we can pray for the people we're taking care of and we can pray ourselves? Well, I want to tell you what happened. They did. And they did that training. Two weeks later, in the city of Odessa, uh, one of the uh, large apartment buildings was bombed. Hundreds and hundreds of people uh, in in terrible shape. And, And some killed and died. But the head of that whole group texted back to the World Hope Office and said, God sent you in time. We were able to save hundreds of lives in this. You see, this is in places you don't think anything about it. God is doing the impossible. Nothing is impossible with God. So then let's look at the next part then. Then we see this next that is so significant is then verse 38, the very next verse. Then Mary prays this prayer. I am the Lord's servant. She doesn't know what that means. May it be to me as you have said. I am the Lord's servant. Do you see what this is? This is what we call a prayer of relinquishment. Now we have choices in our life. We can pray the prayer of relinquishment or resignation. I call it resignation is the fist held. Okay, this is how it is. This is what's happened to me. I don't like what's happened to me, 
but I'm going to just grit my teeth and get through it. It doesn't matter. Teeth grit in Christianity. This is what this is. I'm going to grit my teeth. I'm going to get through it. I'll be angry and mad, but I'm going to get through it. Or we can do the other, what Mary has done. And this is the prayer of relinquishment. Open hand. Lord, this is painful. I've done all I can do. I don't know what else to do. But I am giving this to you. And the key is, and I look forward to what you're going to do. Now, this doesn't mean, okay, now I'm going to help God out. See, many of our prayers are those that, well, if God can't answer my prayer, I figure out how to do it myself. Have you ever done? I mean, I, I'm guilty of that. Well, if God can't do it, I'll figure it out. I'll find a way. No, no. This is where you can no longer find a way. You can no longer find a way. You look forward to what God is going to do. So I have many of these in, in my life. In fact, right now, I'm in a, in a process of a situation where I'm looking forward to what God's going to do because I can't do any more about it. But I can give you one example. For 10 years, my husband and I had no children. The doctor said it was impossible. Finally, I knocked on the door. I was in his office for the last time. And, well, it wasn't the last time, but then at that moment. And he said, you're as sterile as this wooden door. I hope none of you health workers in here ever do that to somebody. He said, you're as sterile as this wooden door. You might as well go out and produce other things in the world, but you're never going to produce children. Chew. And I'll never forget, I was working in the inner city of Kansas City, Missouri at that time. I went back, laid my head on the desk and cried. And I said, well, God, I guess you want me to produce life elsewhere. I don't know what to do. Now, that sounds like I relinquished it, didn't it? But no, I'm still trying to figure it out. And the more you keep your hand clenched and the more you try to figure it out, the more angry you become the more resentment you have, the more you look around. Well, and so what I did, well, my friends, we were in our 20s then, and our friends are having babies, and, well, I know I'd be a better mother than she. Why doesn't God trust me? I'm mad at God, see? And on and on. But, but no, I'm saying, oh, I trust the Lord. You, you, do, you lead these double lives, you know, when you've got your hands clenched. And one Sunday morning, we were dedicating a baby in our little inner city church in Kansas City. And I remember crying that morning. And the Lord spoke to me and said, you have resentment in your heart against me. Now, I even argued because I was still here. Oh, no, I don't, Lord. No, I don't. I don't have resentment against you. <laughs> and I remember the Lord didn't let me away from that, but it just laid there. And you know what I needed to do? I needed to confess my resentment. You got to confess it. I needed to confess my resentment. I needed to confess my anger. And that morning, in that little church, I said, Lord, you are right. I confess my anger. I confess my resentment. I'm not going to keep trying to fix this. And I relinquish this all to you. And I look forward to what you're going to do. Now, I didn't there say, but now, since I've done this, I know God's going to do what I want, he, I want him to do. No, you have to get beyond that. You can't be where you think you want God to do. Now you're telling God what? No, no, no. It's whatever God wants. You finally say, Lord, as Mary said, I am whatever you want, Lord. I look forward to what you're going to do. Well, I had no idea. 
I left, continued life, but I want to tell you that morning when I left church, my heart was lighter. My heart was lighter. I no longer had to have this clenched fist. I now had an open fist. I didn't have to talk about it all the time. You know, sometimes things we're, we're trying to do, we talk about it all the time. I didn't have to talk about it all the time. Like it's, I don't know what God's going to do, but he's going to do something and, I, and he may not do anything. But I'm trusting God. Oddly enough, a few weeks later, a friend of ours in Denver called and said, our mother's a, a foster mother out here and there's a baby that's going to be up for adoption. Why don't you get an attorney in Kansas City? We'll get one out here and see what happens. Christmas Eve, 1970, we drove to Denver and picked up our first child. Beautiful, blonde, blue-eyed baby. Couldn't have been more beautiful. Wonderful. Came back. I couldn't believe it. Lord, oh, I'm thinking, this is, this is amazing. This is, this is I, I, I'm looking forward. I, I, I don't need anything else. I just, you've already done this. A few months later, our attorney called us and said, I have a young woman who wants to put her baby up for adoption. I thought of you all because you might want more than one child. Oh, wow. Okay, this is a little fast here. But uh, I guess when you adopt, you don't, have, you don't have choices. And so we said, okay. So July 31st, we get a call from the doctor that morning. He said, well, you are now parents of a bouncing seven-pound baby boy. I thought, wow, that's pretty fast. I went to church this morning, had people over for dinner. Uh, now I had a baby, you know. <laughs> That's pretty easy. Went out and picked up our baby boy, seven-pound baby boy at KU Med Center. Here's this perfect family. Now, I mean, more than I'd, more than I'd ever dreamed. Perfect family, a boy and a girl. Isn't that what the sociologists tell us we're supposed to have? You know, four, I mean, two, two babies, a family of four, etc. Well, a couple of years later, something strange started going on in my body. And... Uh, I went to the same doctor, and he said, oh, it, it's not a baby. It's something else. We'll, we'll have to watch. Well, nine months later, something else was born. Eight-pound baby boy. He said, at first, he told me, you're way too old to do this. Have this baby. We're going to have to, I don't know what we're going to do with you. Well, I said, well, what should I do? And he said, never happen again. Freak balance of chemicals. Never happen again. Six months later... I'm back to that same doctor. And uh, he said, I don't know what to think. I don't know. You must have just come into your childbearing years is all I can figure out. But you're pregnant. And so, a few months later, I have a nine-pound baby boy. So four children. I look at those beautiful four children. No children for ten years. Four children in five and a half years. Our life changed a little bit, I want you to know. But I look at those four children. Now, some people have said, oh, well, God was going to do that anyway. No, no, no. No, no. And I want to tell you this. I want you to get this truth here. I could have held on, and I, and I would have tied the hands of God. Because remember when Jesus went to his hometown, and he did miracles, and finally he left. He said, there are so many more miracles I want to do in this town, but they wouldn't believe. You shut up the hand of God when you hang on and you do not relinquish and say, Lord, I look forward to what you're going to do. And then as we look at Mary, we follow Mary on. Relinquishment. And she did that. And then 
we find that God, she relinquished it. And I want to say that many times when we relinquish, then God confirms again what you've done. And we see that then in um, verse 39, we see that Mary then, the verification of the announcement is what I call it. Verse 39, she goes to, at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered uh, Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. There was a verification, a verification. When I first started World Hope, it was right after Christmas and I was reading this Christmas story and I'd been, God had been preparing me for years, but it was never seemed like the right time. And I was reading this story and again, I saw this verification God's saying, it's time to do it now. It's time to take the leap of faith. But a few months earlier, he had already shown me some opportunities and, and provided the resources. It's verification. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Here is Elizabeth already declaring to Mary, you are the mother of our Lord. Can you imagine how Mary must have, I mean, this is unreal. This is unreal, but I'm going to follow. I'm going to be courageous. I'm not going to fear. I'm going to follow. And the baby leaped in, in the womb. And then I love this, this verse so much. Then she uh, was blessed because... She believed. You will be blessed because you believe. And here we have this very verse right here, verse 45. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Can you do that and not see it? You see, we, we believe after we see it. Can we believe when we don't see it? And this is the power right here. Blessed is she who believed it, it, that what the Lord has said will be accomplished. This is the power. But then it ends in praise, my friends. There is praise after we follow that. And we go to this very next, this whole section, Mary's song. It's called the Magnificat. Mary's song. Now, this is not just a cute little song. This is powerful. This we see the strength of Mary as a prophet. Mary is prophesying in this song what Jesus will be. And this is the Holy Spirit speaking through her what she does not know. But she obeys because she listens. Let me just read this. And I, I, I would like it if you, this, this week you just meditate on this Mary's song this week. My soul glorifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of this servant. In other words, you see that, Lord, that you would care about me, this unknown person in, this, in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, that's out here in the snow, and you would think of me? That's what this is about. This is the humility of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Now, this is not in pride. She's stunned. She's stunned that, that she would be remembered forever. 
But she knows now she's going to bear something far beyond what she understands. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. And here I actually I have three sermons just in this little part. So I'm not going to preach them today. Aren't you glad about that? Uh, but these are three separate sermons that we see that Jesus, she's prophetic about what Jesus is going to live out, what he's going to teach. This is Mary right here, folks. Not just this little teenage girl. This is the power of God in the teenage girl that God wants to do. And she's prophetic. She says, he has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. We've seen this around the world and we've seen this all over, haven't we? And we saw it happen right when Jesus was on earth. He has, uh, and has filled, lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. Then we find the final word here. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. It's interesting. She learned from Elizabeth in those three months. Elizabeth was a, was a devout woman, and she learned from Elizabeth in those three months. As we experience our unexpected turns... We can follow some of this, but we can see that every unexpected turn brings, it has redemption. And in the middle of that, we can't always see it, but it can be redeemed. And I think of, Keith mentioned, in, as we were doing communion, regarding forgiveness. Forgiveness is all a part of this, too. Forgiveness does not make the other person right. It makes you free. I want you to hear that. Forgiveness does not make the other person right. It makes you free. Forgiveness is also brings about justice. It doesn't mean some things that have happened you need to keep happening. Justice needs to take place. Things need to change. But they won't be controlling you, you see. And so we find this as we look at Mary's life on, as she moved along and as Jesus, she didn't quite know what she was doing raising Jesus. And it's interesting to keep following Mary all the way through Scripture as the mother of our Lord. And she's confused sometimes. She doesn't know quite what to do here. But there's still that relinquishment. I'm looking forward to what you're doing. I'm looking forward to what you're doing. And so this morning, I want to say to you, many of you are sitting here, all of us are sitting here in various stages of things that we either can choose the fist or we can open our hand. And so this morning, I want to close in prayer, asking that you open your hand. If you want to just put a fist and a hand out in front of you, you can do that. Or just your open hand. Dear Lord, this morning, you know every heart that's here. You know every person that's here. You know every person dealing with pain in various ways. And Lord, you want that released and relinquished to you so that you can do what you want to do. And I praise you for it. I praise you, Lord, that you want to do more than we can imagine. And our imagination is big, but yours is even greater, Lord. So we're not going to try to figure out what we're gonna, you're going to do. We're opening our hand to you and look forward to what you're going to do in this process. We praise you for it this morning.
We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless.